0: this month's theme is called authentic self and today we're talking about well what is that authentic self and how is it that we could have left it behind where did it go if we have to restart if we have to find out and what does that mean that authentic self I don't know about you, but every once in a while, see these things going on. Somebody's ranting and raving. They're saying all this stuff, not being very nice. And then they cover it by saying, well, I'm just telling my authentic feelings. As though this is some sort of license to be rude and mean to other people. When did this start? Because that's not the authentic self that we're talking about. That's not the one we want to get back to. And that certainly doesn't have the feeling of a heart. Does it? So we have to come back and say, well, what do we mean? What do we mean by that authentic self? And I use authentic self with the big S, you know, the small l s, the little me, and the big S, that higher part of me, that soul part of me, that really wants to express itself. And probably when I was a little kid, it was screaming out all the time. Anyone ever told you that story? You know, you're so full of yourself. Well, who else am I supposed to be full of? Right? And as a little kid, that just doesn't make any sense at all. So then you wonder, oh, where's myself? uh, Where do I find it? So this higher self can be recognized in ourselves, but you can also notice it in someone else, right? Because if you come in contact with someone that's themselves and really connected to their hearts and their feelings and the way they are in the world, it's just like a gravitational attraction right you just want i want more of that where did you get that and so that's something that we want for ourselves but also for others now i'm working on this it's a work in progress that's why they call it spiritual practice because we have to practice it because it's too easy with all the noise in the world to fall out of it, because I I know that sometimes I'll find myself, well, I have to do this, and then I have to do this. Well, there's dishes to do, and then I, oh, I've got to make dinner tonight. I just had breakfast. What am I already thinking about dinner? And there was a movie recently where this guy wakes up every birthday, and he seems to miss the whole year in between. And he goes, well, how did this happen? But we can get caught in the day-to-day and forget about the present moment where we can find ourselves and remind ourselves. So where do I start, right? Restart. Well, one of the most powerful practices that I've done is this thing called mirror work. And I've got a few of them out there in the audience that uh, we've been handing out. Oh, that Kathleen's got a, a few of these. And how many of you have done mirror work? Oh, good, uh, a reasonable fraction, maybe a third. And so one of the things you'll notice is that uh, if you're like me, you know, you get up in the morning, you go and you look and, ah! Well, of course, my hair's all wild. But I look and I say, when did that happen? Uh, Because if I don't look, which I mostly don't, uh, then I'm I'm 24. (laughs) Base 32, for those that you'll like math. Um, But when you look in the mirror... You know, you look and you say, oh, oh, there's some wrinkles. And, oh, look, I got something above my eye. Uh, What's this? And you judge. And then you notice, well, I'm not very symmetric. You know, my left side is different than my right. And then when you try and look at yourself, which eye do you look at? Can you look at both of them at the same time? You know, it sounds funny, but if you just do it, you realize, whoa, that's interesting. And this week I invite you to try this, and if you're really daring, try it in front of a full length, first clothed, (laughs) and then with not so much clothing, and see what comes up for you. Write it down. See if maybe some tears might come up, or some judgment. Or some things that say, hmm, when did this happen? I don't know. But you can learn to love and accept yourself just the way you are. And as you love and accept yourself, warts and all, you know, slightly strange in the mirror, then you can transfer that to other people because then you can say, oh, Abba, by the grace of God, go I. So, um, a few years ago, I was working on this, and so I wrote this. Um, I called it The Gift um, because it was a gift to me at the time. So, I'm going I'm to hand this mirror, I'm done with it. Who would like the mirror? Here we go. So, look in the mirror. Who do you see there? Have you fallen in love again with yourself? Perhaps you've been away, given yourself to another. You've dismissed your own gifts while off chasing wealth. You've left your laughter playing with your lost child. You've forgotten the healing in your own smiling approval. Look again in the mirror as you walk in the door. You've worked hard enough for the rest of the world. Will you rest your eyes on this old friend? Will you gaze again with love on the one person that can truly know and stay with you forever? Come. Walk with me to the mirror. Take these vows and forgive the lost time alone. Forgive the lost time alone. Are we ever really alone? No. But we can sure forget about it if we're so busy. We can forget about it because the rest of the world, like the meditation, pre-service meditation, the rest of the world wants you to remain in place. Keep doing what you're doing. They've gotten used to it. So I know that there's times when I've not paid enough attention, and I've given myself to those repetitive tasks, I've given myself to the rest of the world, and so I've made it a practice, at least a daily, to just check in. Hmm, what am I up to? Am I doing the stuff that when I was seven years old said, I'm going to be? Am I following my true north? Am I getting caught up? Am I being my authentic self? And if you do it daily, after a while, you recognize yourself, that authentic self. And it is a practice. Now, sometimes the world around me gets used to me being a certain way i programmed them to think of me in a certain way. I wear this mask. No, this one. Wax on. But is that doing me any good? If I am wearing something that's not really me? You know, one of my favorite writers, oh, I have so many favorite writers, so I don't know how to even say this, but she went to a David White workshop And she was so inspired that she stayed up all night and wrote this poem. It's called The Invitation by Uriah Mountain Dreamer. How many of you know that one? And she turned it into a great, great little book, which I recommend. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it so fits with this, because she said, it doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. Mm. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow if you've been opened by life's betrayal or have become shriveled and closed for fear of further pain. Now that's an invitation to your authentic self, right? How many times, you know, you're at your cocktail party and you say, so what do you do? (laughs) Right? Because that's the icebreaker because we're all doing something. Well, right now, I'm standing here talking to you. <laughs> but to be and maintain that honest self, this poem suggests three things. Just in the first three paragraphs, it says, meeting your heart's longing, it, risking for love, and staying open despite life's betrayals. Because none of us write into our day, you know, today I'm going to have something go wrong in my life. No, we don't put that in there because we want our lives to unfold just the way it should. According to whose plan? Our plan. Our heart's desire. Our longing. So that song um, that we heard of... um, being able to restart, I think, is an important one. Remember last week, if you were here, if not, go online and you can get it at our new Spotify account. You can listen to Reverend Kath's talk from last week. But I'm going to refer to it because she said and showed a number of men and women that from a very early age already knew, oh, that's it, I'm going to become a great musician or I'm gonna become an ambassador to the world. And I'm thinking, wow, those people, they really had something going on. But you know, I think most of us, or speaking for myself, I should say I, sure didn't know at that early age what I was gonna do because to me, everything was interesting. It's like, wow, how am I gonna decide? There's so much going on. But I do remember one thing when I was in elementary school my father was a principal at the very school that I went to. I know, sad story. But I was thought the idea of teaching, the idea of teaching, the idea of teaching was very cool because as an elementary school student, the teacher is sort of like, godly. They can do whatever they want. They can say, sit down do this homework, do this problem, and you did, mostly, or pretended to. And so I thought, maybe that's what I want to do. I want to be a teacher. So I joined the Future Teachers Association, uh, you know, as uh, whatever I was, a fifth grader or something like that. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll try this on, see what it's like. Uh, Seems like it's pretty good. You get to stand up. Tell people about what you know or don't know. And look, fast forward a few years, I've done a whole bunch of different things, but I'm actually teaching right across the street at the little university here, teaching a subject that I don't think even existed when I was in elementary school. So it's pretty wild to think about the nooks and crannies and the trials and tribulations of life and where they end up you know I still like that thought of being a teacher and it really comes home when I was out at this conference and this person comes up to me and said are you John Haas and I said yeah yeah I said you know you changed my life and I said no you don't know me probably but when I was at the University of Wyoming you showed me that math was interesting and that I could do it I went wow because I was a, a junior in college, teaching a class to the freshmen, and I loved math at the time. I still love math. It's a great thing. Uh, But many people get turned off by it because their elementary school teachers were turned off by it, but they had to teach it. Uh, There's this thing, remember, uglification, derision, uh, do you know where that's from? Alice in Wonderland. Uh, So If they don't like math and they don't understand it, how in the world can they give you excitement about this subject which they said, just trust me girls, avoid it. And unfortunately, uh, because the way our system works and we are underpaid teachers, many of them are not prepared to teach the subjects that they're meant to represent. So when I'm teaching, The thing that really excites me is when a student, I can see they finally got it. Because in their eyes they go, they open up their eyes. It's like that light bulb going off, right? Oh, I get it now. But today we get to try things. You don't have to just sit there and write. You can actually try things uh, at least in my class on the computer itself and be able to try different things and, and break things and then fix them And so they finally get it, because if you do things enough, then it becomes something that you own, something that you can understand and feel. And that's a big payoff. But guess what? You don't have to be in a classroom to be a teacher. Hooray, we all get to be teachers, because the best teaching that I get is from my students back to me. So I am the student of them as they're learning it because sometimes I forget that I know something and then they'll look at me sideways when I say something and I'll realize, oh, I just used a word that I have not defined. Uh, Maybe they've never heard it before. And then it forces me to dig deep and find another way to express it so that they can connect with it. Well, so what am I doing? I'm connecting myself with their self. And then you get this whole little molecular thing happening, uh, two uh, objects connecting. So, you know, you think, oh, well, he started and he thought about being a teacher way long ago, but I didn't always know the next step because I've been a lot of different things along the way. I was a cowboy for a while at the 7L Ranch. I didn't like it. I didn't stick with it. It was a very long day in the saddle. and next day, I could hardly stand up. But it had its own benefits. The cows didn't like it being branded. But you realize I have great appreciation now when I buy something at the store and it's all wrapped. I know the work that went into creating that and presenting it there to you for only whatever it is a pound it's very well worth it in my opinion so I found science of mind when I was in one of those places where I was wondering well what's next any of you know that uh, book called cryon where there's a map and it's all foggy and the only part of the map that you see is the part where you are right now And you can look back and you can see the lit up path that you've taken, but the rest of the whole map is in a haze. And so what do you have to do? Well, I guess I'm going to step over here, and then this lights up. You can see. So you can see a little bit around you. And that's, I think, a lot of what I did, trying this, trying that. And so at the time, I studied a lot of teachers, and I decided, oh, I'm going to be a coach. Uh, a life coach so I did co-active training Then I said well this is pretty fun so I'm going to do the leadership training I had no idea what I was going to do with this uh, but coaching another person is like teaching is a lot of fun but then it turns out you have to find clients and then if you want to make money out of it, you have to have to charge them for your services so which means you have to do marketing and then you have to go out and you have to reach people and then you have to do accounting it's a business right? Well, if I'm going to do a business, I'm going to do one that's bigger than that because it relied only on my hours. I could only get paid for the number of hours that I could put in. You can't multiply me's. Well, I wish I could, but I can't. So there's only so much time. I was just reading, someone said, well, they're 88 years old, so that means it's about 22,000 weeks 22,000 weeks. A week is precious. I was going to bring a um, bunch of dollar bills and stack them up to show you how much 20,000 is. But it's a finite little stack. We know what a stack of 100 is, right? So 100 hundreds is 10,000. So 200 hundreds. So we need to take real use of our days that add up to weeks that add up to months and years. So how do we do that? Well, right now, you can imagine somebody saying, yeah, I can't do that. I'm not filling the blank enough. Who's got a, I'm not enough. I'm not young enough. I can't do that because I'm, I'm old now. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not tall enough. Uh, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not short enough. No, I can't do that. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not enough. Who told you you weren't enough? We just heard in that song, how could anyone ever tell you you are less than beautiful? So as we think about that, We have that enough story holding us back. And does that hold us apart from that authentic self? It can, right? Because if we tell ourselves we can't do something, then our authentic self goes, well, I'm going to quit knocking on the door. I'm just not going to do it because it's no fun. There was a great poem by Rumi. It says, I have stood on the lip of insanity. I have stood on the lip of insanity knocking on the door only to discover it opens in. Into the soul, into the part of me that already knows the answers, into the part of me that if I just tap into, then it will help me. Does it have the answer written down on a little tablet? No. But it does, like that little map it lights up. If it moves in a direction of something good, it goes, oh, that feels good. And if it goes towards something that feels hard and uh, guess what? That's probably not the place to be knocking on the door. Because doors that are meant for you and your authentic self open to you. So some of us have heard this before. It says, uh, be ye perfect. And then you go, oh, man, that's a tall, tall order. That's because in our society today, what does perfect mean? Perfect is sort of like what the people on the red carpet are, no blemishes, they can afford $20,000 gowns, they have all these things, and that's perfect. But perfect in this sense meant whole, nothing missing and that's our authentic self whole in the universe because there is no one else like you so you're playing your part otherwise you wouldn't be here so we can say be ye perfect meaning be whole and graced with that person that you are and then you'll be able to sing that song and look in that mirror love yourself and say how could anyone have ever told me that I was anything less than perfect? Let's take that thought into prayer. I say this in the first person, to so accept the part that's for you. I know there's only one thing going on. One perfect Presence, whole and complete. It's everywhere. It's every when. It's loving. It's clarity. It's peace. It's knowing. It's the soul. It's the self with a big, big S. And that one power and presence never is away from me because I'm surrounded by it. It's acting through me. It's acting as me so that I know that as I listen ever more deeply that I will find and feel that connection a greater and greater part of the time. So I am that perfect presence. I am that whole place where God shows up. And I know that as I do my part as I open the doors that are opening for me, as I seek that part that lights me up, as I know, as I feel, as I am, this is enough. And I'm so very, very grateful for this knowing. I'm so thankful that this teaching has come into my life. And as I express these words, I know that they do not come back to me unfulfilled as I let them go into the action of love and law. And so, if it resonates, join me in saying, and so it is.